1: Hey, happy game day, everybody. Welcome to Game Quest, a VolQuest game day podcast. I'm Eric Kane alongside Grant Ramey. Tennessee takes on UConn Saturday at noon Eastern, and we're going to preview it from every single angle right here at VolQuest.com. Uh, follow us at VolQuest.com on Twitter, VolQuest underscore on three for continual updates, and of course, the best game day updates inside that game day thread over on the general's quarters at VolQuest.com. Uh, Grant, we've reached the month of November. Huge month coming up for the University of Tennessee, and it starts with the homecoming bouts with UConn. Uh, Tennessee at 35 uh, and a half-point favorite. Should be uh, a big win for Tennessee, but obviously the slate uh, gets back to being what it should be uh, next week. It
0: should be. Uh, it should be a big win. I, I'm still scarred from the Austin P experience. I, I don't trust this team in uh, these kind of settings because of that game. Uh, yeah. So they can be a thirty-five and a half point favorite. They can be that you can you can hope that Nico gets the entire second half and all these younger guys get to play and get some experience. But Tennessee's got to come out. They got to take care of business. They got to be efficient. They got to be productive. They got to uh, just play really well in the first half to get to that point where maybe you could use this Saturday uh, to see some younger guys and, and maybe a little bit of a developmental and give some of those guys that you've leaned on for the last eight weeks a little bit of a break.
1: Yeah, we'll get into, uh, you know, keys to uh, keys to a win, or really what I want to phrase it as keys to uh, get a big lead early and let some young guys come in and play. We'll list some, some young guys we're going to be watching here for uh, Saturday's game. But kind of off topic a little bit, but uh, Grant, I want to get your thoughts. You know, where are you at on homecoming? I feel like homecoming used to be a much bigger deal, regardless if it's high school, if it's small college, if it's big college. I mean, I feel like homecoming used to be a much, much bigger deal, and it's kind of kind of like nothing anymore where are you at on homecoming
0: uh it's just kind of there i think it's more of a name only thing i mean you're gonna show up on campus and the first thing that comes to mind for me is all the banners hanging off the stadium uh, i thought that was kind of cool when i was younger uh, but really it's just i don't i don't know it's it's usually a yukon type of opponent so that's kind of a letdown uh, but also i mean at the same time what was that year they scheduled number one miami uh, for homecoming in november so Uh, Careful what you ask for, I guess, in terms of the opponent. But uh, I don't know if there's as much pomp and circumstance as there used to be. But there's it's 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 something that's in name only, I guess. It feels like to me, it's just something else that's listed next to the team name on the schedule.
1: You know, growing up in small town USA, like with with the local college there, I mean, it was it was there was always a parade. Like the whole city kind of shut down. Like it was kind of neat when I was young. But even when I got there and I played at Carson Newman, homecoming wasn't nothing. I feel like there's nothing special about Tennessee's homecoming. I mean, maybe I'm different. I don't know. I just feel like the whole homecoming thing aspect and all the football um, is is just kind of not what it used to be. I don't know. I just like yeah, you want to make sure you get a win and you not not schedule number one ranked Miami for your homecoming, but just nothing about the game is going to be exciting. I don't know. I just uh it's like you have all this momentum going through the season, and then it's like oh. Got to get homecoming in there. Got to schedule, you know, a, an FCS or whatever. And it's just – I know UConn's not, but that's just kind of how I do it. All right. Go ahead.
0: There is a, there is a uh, pregame parade. It's it's when Austin parks his car and walks to the stadium and everybody shuts sure. him out. and He he gets the Sharpie out and the 5x7 the glossy Austin Price portraits and signs them and hands them out to kids and does photo ops. So that, yep. that that's not specific to homecoming, though. That's every home game.
1: That is true. And and again, when I started going to away games with Austin Price, I'll never walk into a to a like a home game with him, but whenever I started going to away games with Austin, seriously, it's so annoying. But last (laughs) week at Kentucky, this is not the two-bone horn either. I just think it's hilarious. It's almost like you got a little jelly beans about it. We were walking in and some guy came up and got a selfie with me because they recognized me from lockdown balls, and Austin started giving me crap, and I'm like you're the person that wants to give me crap about this okay like it's like freaking celebrity over here so oh it was funny it was good times but um there's, o- there's only
0: there's only one austin prize
1: only one only one austin prize there's only one uconn it's a big rivalry game for the lady vols and, and women's basketball it's that's pretty much about it tennessee is not wearing the um lady ball blue <laughs> the jerseys that was never going to be a thing i know there's been a lot of social media uh, conversations about it this week. They're gonna wear accents and, and pay tribute to obviously Pat Summit and everything, which is gonna be awesome. But the uh the, the the blues are not happening in terms of a full alternate uniform, regardless of who tweeted it out. Um but it, it's UConn and they're not a very good football team. One and seven, they're horrible against the run. This truly should be a bloodbath for Tennessee and it's it's a matter of how quickly and how often will Tennessee score early in this game.
0: Tissy's pretty good at running the football. Yeah. And UConn's pretty bad at stopping the run. I think I pulled up the box score. Boston College ran for 246 against UConn last week. Boston College had the ball for 40 minutes in that game. UConn had the ball for 19 minutes. UConn had 10 first downs. BC had 30 first. I mean, that's a pretty good and credit to UConn. They only lost 21 to 14 somehow in that despite that lopsided box score. So. This is a recipe for Tennessee to just continue what it has usually done on the ground. It didn't really happen in Alabama. It didn't really happen against Florida, but everybody else has been 220, 230, some really high numbers. And I think the key to success early is getting those running backs going and doing the same thing they've done uh, a lot of this season. They've done it at an elite level. They need to do it again here and take care of business early, like we talked about, and be productive and be efficient and look like a 35-and-a-half-point favorite. You don't want to be six-six with Austin P. In the second quarter uh and trying to figure things out uh, you better show up ready to go noon kickoff they've been good in those noon kickoffs under josh heupel the last couple of years so fast start and, and and take care of business
1: early yeah i mean they practice in the morning so i truly think those noon kickoffs really don't bother them it's not like they're horrible at night either but like my point is i mean they practice every single morning at you know 8 30 8 o'clock they're in there for meetings 7 30 they're getting taped they're on the practice field at nine o'clock i mean they're kind of used to getting up and moving early. So those noon kickoffs are never an issue. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought, um, <laughs> I thought a, 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 was it a 10, tie ball game at the end of first quarter? 10-point lead at half, so whatever it was for Austin P. that was super embarrassing. But um, you know, get in there and treat it like you are 35-and-a-half-point favorites. When you get a lead, put in some young guys. Um, I, I think we all want to we'll talk about some of the young guys that we want to see and, and how you don't want to see a starting quarterback coming out uh, to begin the second half we'll see but kind of, kind of on that note we had a we had a question in the Melback podcast about you know gerald mincey he's been banged up this season and some other guys would this be a game where you just think about not even playing them and the football mindset in me is like no get dressed get 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 out there go out there with your team play play football and then we can pull you a little early the realistic journalist part of me uh, of eric kane sitting back here saying like why in the world would gerald mincey play in this football game like why you're gonna win by seventy. Like it's just silly. Like honestly, Jalen Wright. Why play Jalen Wright in this football game? Like that's that's the sitting in front of the camera, Eric Kane. But I understand it from a football coach's perspective. They're, both those guys are probably gonna play. But I mean, seriously, Grant, if you were if you were Josh Heupel, I wouldn't play Gerald Mincy. I wouldn't play Jalen Wright. I wouldn't play. Um, I don't know some other guys who are kind of lingering, dealing with some injuries that we might not even know about. I mean, there's just no point, in my opinion.
0: Any, anybody that's banged up and you think you have a capable replacement and you're not, I don't know, disrespecting the opponent, disrespecting the game, whatever, if you're not going too far, if, if you think you can afford to rest whoever, fill in the blank, Gerald Mincy or whoever, and, and yes, Jalen Wright, with, with what you have in Jabari Small, with what you have in Dylan Sampson, what we've seen from those guys, uh, the more rest you can get for those guys that you've leaned on so much these first eight, nine weeks, however long it's been at this point, uh, yeah, you got to rest them because you have Missouri uh, a road trip next week. You have Georgia in two weeks. And and it's not – you have to earn the right, I think, to be able to rest those guys. You have to take care of business on the field and, and put this UConn team away early and, and not have that awesome P 2.0 experience. So uh, if you can, if you feel like you, can, you have a capable backup and you, you, you can afford to rest some of those guys, yeah, rest is going to be great. But at the same time, uh, you got to do something on Saturday to earn a win and, and to take care of business and, and not have it be something where you're playing for you know meaningful football in the second half, meaningful reps in the second half. You want to have this thing taken care of and uh, put away by then so you can get some younger guys in there, and you can rest more guys across the board.
1: Again, I remember I covered the Georgia State game. I hear you if you're thinking that. I, I mean, I, I know. I was at the Austin Peay game this year. I covered that game. Like you got to go out and win the football game, and and again I get it. I, I respect the I respect the game. I love the game. I get all that. But UConn is one in seven and a horrendous football team, and this is just is what it is. And so I get the whole aspect of dressing out, and those guys will dress out. Those guys will play. That's just that's just how football coaches are. If I'm Josh Heupel, John Campbell's another one. It's like um, you can't tell me that Jeremiah Crawford, who started at seven games at left tackle last year for an 11 and 2 ball club isn't good enough to start at left tackle against UConn this year. Dane Davis can play right tackle. Like those are the type of capable backups that you're talking about to where you'd feel okay that even if John Campbell or Gerald Muncy goes in and plays the first series, two series, after that get them out, put in those guys, and, and, and you know c- kind of just move on. So we'll see how they want to decide it all. We we'll see how they want to decide all those different factors heading into the game, Tennessee and UConn. We'll get into exactly who UConn is personnel-wise and the, some players that we want to see in this football game that's coming up next right here on uh, GameQuest. Quest I do want to tell you about our friends over at Price Picks? been a fun partner uh, with uh, this football season, VolQuest and PricePix. First-time users, if you go to PricePix.com, enter the promo code VQ, they're going to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. That means if you deposit $50, they're going to match you $50. $100... They're going to match you a hundred dollars 101 dollars well they'll just go a hundred dollars again it's only up to 100 dollars, but it's awesome over there price picks if you put in that promo code vq you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry all you have to do is you got two to six projections and their player projections and their their price picks going to give their individual player projections you're going to go through and it's like picking totals here are they going to do more or less than the player the price picks projection you you stack your little grid here with two to six players and again watch the winnings roll in 25 times your money back on uh, your entry so we're going to do this right here on a uh, game quest like we do every single week if you're watching on YouTube I'm going to share the screen and you can see what pricepicks.com looks like super easy to use so many different sports up here at the top uh, again like we mentioned earlier in the year Grant Ramy loves a little cricket loves a little lo- loves a little <laughs> soccer they have those uh, options up here as well but Let's stick to uh, college football. So since we're recording this, you know, before Saturday, and quite frankly, the Tennessee and UConn uh, projections might not even be up here because it is what it is, we're going to lean heavily into the Georgia-Missouri matchup. So Grant Ramey, you have Brady Cook, Missouri, Georgia, huge matchup. Brady Cook, his projections, 244 passing yards and a half, 244 in the hook. Is Brady Cook going to throw for more or less than 244 in the hook?
0: Uh, more because they're going to have to score a ton to play with Georgia. Um, Georgia's really good. I think Georgia has a tendency to play with its food, and not really mess around a little bit with some inferior points. Sometimes I think they show up and try to prove they're Georgia and they're the team that's won 20, whatever games in a row, back to back national championships. And, uh, on the road at Georgia, you're going to have to score a lot of points. I'm going more for Brady Cook to
1: 44.5. So. You said he's going to have to throw for more to play with Georgia, and you're picking more. So you think Missouri will play for play with Georgia? Uh, I don't know
0: if they will, but if they're going if, if they if they're going to stick around, I think they're going to have to have a lot of offensive success because it's going to be really tough to win on them.
1: And again, and any I'm way just, you want to phrase it,
0: and I'm, I'm just addicted to more.
1: Okay, I was going to say Grant Ramey keeps choosing more, so he's saying it right now. Missouri over Georgia marked it down. Let's go to Carson Beck here. Carson Beck, 285 in the hook. 285.5 passing yards against Missouri, more or less for Carson Beck.
0: Uh, less because that's a really big number, and I think Georgia can be productive on the ground as well. I don't think he has to go for 285.5 uh, as the home team. I would go more. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't seen enough of Carson Beck to think he's elite or not elite or, or weigh in on that conversation, but I don't think he'll have to go for more than two eighty-five and a half. I'm going to go less just to balance myself out and prove I'm, I'm not uh, just more picks every single
1: week. Hmm, okay, okay. Well, if we could go back and, and total all these up from from the entire season, I think you might have like two or three lesses, uh, but that's okay because we like to have fun here on Game Quest. Cody Schrader, number two rusher in the SEC. Um, just a couple behind Ray Davis and, oh, look, Jalen Wright's less than a hundred yards from, uh, from Cody Schrader there number two. Anyway, back to this Cody Schrader, number two, rusher in the sec, 63.5 rushing yards at Georgia. It's going to be a tall task. Is Cody Schrader going to go more or less than sixty-three and a half?
0: and a Oh, uh, less. You're one of the top rushers in the sec. You're going to Georgia. You're playing one of the best defenses in the country. Uh, George is going to have something to prove, trying to shut down one
1: of the best running backs in the
0: SEC. Give me less. All
1: right. Look at me. Look okay. at me. Two lesses. Look at you. Who Who are you, man? Who are you? All right. Let's go Luther Burden. Former five-star recruit. Thought he'd be in the transfer portal last offseason. He was not. He did not follow Dominic Lo- Dominic Lovett to Georgia who, oh, we can get him in a moment as well. But Luther Burden, if Missouri's going to win this football game, Luther Burden's going to have to find the end zone a couple of times, in my opinion. Um, 92 and a half receiving yards. One of the better receivers in the SEC this year. Luther Burden, more or less.
0: I got to go more because I already took Brady uh, Cook more, and if Brady Cook's going more, he's going to have to throw it to uh, his best receiver. Also, Luther Burden, that's just an awesome name. So I'm I'm all in. Give me more on Luther Burden.
1: Last one we're going to do, we're going to skip over Dominic Lovett. Don't care about him, actually. We're going to do a really, really challenging one, in my opinion. Okay, let's go Oscar Delp. Who is Oscar Delp? Who is Oscar Delp? Well, you know that guy, Brock Bowers? Yeah, he's out for a little bit. Oscar Delp is the tight end who will be receiving the targets in place of Brock Bowers. 29 and half receiving yards for Oscar Delp, the Georgia tight end, in place of Brock Bowers. Uh
0: more. If Brock Bowers can go for like two thirty a game it feels like. Uh, gimme give gimme give more on twenty nine and a half with the Oscar. Oscar Delp's not a bad name either. It's no Luther Burden, but Oscar Delp's a pretty good one.
1: You can see it over here at pricefix.com, our player projections, Brady Cook, the more, Carson Beck, the less, Cody Schrader, the less, God, Grant Ramey, really depressed this morning, Luther Burden, and Oscar Delp more on their player projections. That's one, two, three, four, five. You can do between two and six players, and if they hit on them more or less, you can win 25 times your money back over pricepix.com. All you need to do is put in that promo code VQ for an instant deposit match up to $100. Have fun this football season at PricePix, promo code VQ for an instant deposit match up to $100. Hey, welcome back to Game Quest, a VolQuest game day podcast. Whether you're listening to this on Friday evening, Friday night, or early on a Saturday morning, thank you so much for hanging out, watching it with us on the YouTube, JW Player, or listening to us wherever you get your podcasts Tennessee and Yukon, homecoming, noon Eastern kickoff. Grant Ramey, we all rejoice. We love noon kickoffs, isn't that right? We love, uh,
0: give me, give me a, here's my thing give me a noon kickoff, or give me a 7 or 7 30 kickoff. Because then, if it's seven, th- seven or seven thirty, I've got at least the first part of my Saturday to do something to be a normal functioning person. If it's a noon kickoff, I've got Saturday night to do something to be a normal functional. Person. Just don't give me the middle of the day uh, where the entire Saturday's gone to waste. Give me, give me, give me very early, very late. One deal.
1: So i needed next weekend to not be a noon game if it was not a noon game at missouri that means i could go and cover the game because i have to do the playoff friday broadcast and i mean between me and austin price i mean you know austin's going to get to go to the college game i have to stay back with the high school game um so i needed a i needed a non-noon kickoff we got that obviously with the six-day option we knew that it wasn't going to be a noon kickoff now i am praying i am praying that it's a cbs 330 game because If it's the night game, I mean, we're flying out 5 a.m. Saturday morning to St. Louis, driving to Columbia. Could you imagine if it was a night game kicking off at 6 local, 7 Eastern or whatever? And then we're just just going straight to the hotel, flying out 5 a.m. local time the next morning. So if it is a 2.30 local, 3.30 Eastern game, we get to at least, you know, grab a few hours of sleep, you know, at a hotel at the airport or something. But, oh, so wishful thinking. Everybody pray for... For me, for us, Uh, not that you guys really care, but anyway, typically I want noon every single day of the week. Because you're right, I mean it's you can have a little bit of a life, but anyway, let's look at this UConn game. One and seven on the season so far. Um, Only given up more than forty points, uh, or more than uh, yeah, more than forty points on one occasion this season. So I thought that was a noteworthy stat, Um, and that was to Duke, losing forty-one to seven to Duke earlier this season. But they gave a twenty-four and a loss to NC State, thirty-five and a loss to Georgia State. 24 to FIU, mentioned 41, 34 to Utah State, and a one-point loss. That was 34-33. You have a 38 and a touchdown loss to Rice, um, 24 and a loss to USF in the fighting Alex Golishes, and 21, as you mentioned, to Boston College, where um, they they let Boston College just run all over them and possess the football, but somehow only lost by a touchdown. Um, In the last two years, let's see, in the last four seasons, UConn has managed only two FBS wins, two, only two. And that second one was earlier this year against Rice, two FBS wins. They are five and 39 in that regard. They haven't had a winning season since 2010. That was the fiesta bowl season when they finished eight and four or whatever. Um, they did get their quarterback back. We'll get to him in a moment. He tore his ACL week one last year. So never really given a chance on the offense. A little, little under 20 points per game, 316 yards of total offense they throw on average for 181 yards a game. They run for 135 yards per game. They've turned it over 11 times and only allowed nine sacks on the season, but that offensive line hasn't seen anything like it's about to see here at Neyland Stadium. All right, Grant Ramey, the quarterback, it's Robertson. Um 1,275 yards, 58% completion, eight touchdowns, three interceptions, two rushing touchdowns. Um, he was their starting quarterback last year towards ACL. He's back. But, again, not very dynamic. And, again, leading an offense that it doesn't score an awful lot of points and doesn't move the football to high club. You want me to
0: put on my Josh Heupel hat and uh, yeah. act like I'm going to build up UConn here? I mean, they really—they are one in what, six? Is that
1: right? One in seven.
0: How many one-possession games? One in seven? One, two, three, four, five. Five one-possession games and one ten-point game. So, I, I don't – I don't know if they're completely as bad as maybe the record indicates. Um, I hate to (laughs) try to build up this UConn football team. Um, But I mean, yeah, I think they're going to go back to to the
1: rushing stat. You said earlier, I mean, go back to the rushing stat you said earlier about last week of Boston college and what does Tennessee do? Well, run the football. I mean, Tennessee's going to run right, right straight through them. They should.
0: Yeah. I mean, in, perfect world I think it looks like September 2nd against Virginia where it felt like Tennessee ran for 10 yards a clip up the middle 47 plays in a row um I I don't think UConn's as bad as a record in case but they are a bad football team I think they went to a bowl game last year under Jim Moore in his first year if I'm not mistaken um you're looking at me crazy like I don't you don't think that's no
1: I I think you're right but they didn't my, well my notes said they haven't had a winning season since twenty ten, so right. Okay, maybe they- they're
0: six and seven.
1: They were okay, six and seven
0: you. last year. They beat they beat Liberty, they beat UMass, they beat BC, they beat FIU, uh, they beat Fresno. Fresno State went to Yukon for some reason. They lost fifty nine to nothing at Michigan though, and forty one to ten at NC State. So it's not like they're a very good team. They just found a way to get six wins and get to a bowl game. But no. yeah, it's, I mean, regardless of of how many points they've lost by in these games or how many points they've given up. This is a team that Tennessee should run on, should put 250 plus on. Um, I I would love to see what Dylan Sampson looks like as a primary back and rest Jalen a little bit and and maybe rest Jabari Small a little bit just because I've been so impressed by Dylan Sampson and, and what we saw in the fourth quarter in Lexington last week and what we've seen all season in terms of, you know, he had not got a ton of touches, but he's been ultra productive in those touches that he does get. So I would love to see some more of him uh, and see what you can do early on to, to get as many points on the board as you can to try to get as many guys involved in this thing as you
1: can. Typically I go down and I I list some of the you know the stat leaders and I kinda go offense defense. I'm not again, I'm not Josh Hopple. I will, you know, be characterized You're as disrespect like a disrespect him. I just I it's it's not worth the time. Um and that may be rude, but it just is what it is. I mean, everybody has these games. Um, I will point out some notables, though. Um, eight different wide receivers or tight ends have caught touchdown passes for UConn this year. There's not like a like a go-to guy, go-to guy. I mean, eight. I mean, it's it, spreading the it's well. Like,
0: There's eight total, and it's one each, like right yeah. across the board, right?
1: Yes, Which yes. Which kind I mean, of it's,
0: impressive, to be honest.
1: And when you think about it, yeah, it kind of is. But the most important, or the, the most important guy in this football game, both sides, and we all need to, we all need to watch and admire and love on what UConn does with, uh, with Jelani Stafford. Okay, who's Jelani Stafford? I'm surprised you haven't heard who he is. I've never seen him play in person, so maybe this could be a, a stat crew error or whatever. But according to the UConn Athletics website defensive lineman starting defensive tackle jelani stafford six foot six three hundred and three pounds okay he has 27 tackles on the season eight tfls not bad right not bad on offense he has 12 rushing attempts for 21 we- yards six touchdowns he has a reception for 10 yards he has a long rush he, his longest rush on the season is four yards so can we say modern day fridge? Okay? I mean, is that too much? Is that too much of a stretch here? I mean, how cool is this? And again, this could be a stat career, I don't know, but according to the website, jelani Stafford has six rushing. I mean, he scored he scored two touchdowns in two games this season. He's the short yardage back. I mean, that's that's pretty cool, big number 99 I think is his number, whatever it is. How excited are you you're a Bears fan? How excited are you to see a big boy run the football?
0: He's giving me uh, some Princeton fan vibes of the, uh, like, six rushes, six touchdowns, six total yards. Um, true.
1: But, like, Princeton,
0: true, but, but, like, yeah, but he's, he's not a school guy. Prin- Princeton went 6'6", six, six, 300, and lining up on the defensive line. Yeah. Uh, yes, I mean, that. I, I'm, I'm now something to look forward to. I don't know how many times UConn's going to be on the goal line or what the situation is going to be if they ever do get down there, but they better have. Jelani Stafford in the game, because I need to see this with my own two eyes. Now, on the the Fridge topic, uh, it's kind of a polarizing subject for Bears fans, because uh, that Super Bowl Fridge scored a touchdown, a rushing touchdown, obviously, and Walter Payton did not score a rushing touchdown in that Super Bowl, so uh, as many great things as Mike Ditka did, and he's untouchable, uh, you got to get sweetness and touchdown in the Super Bowl.
1: That's bad. That's really bad when you sit there and think about it. He didn't but score, it's okay he didn't because the Bears.
0: It's It's okay because the Bears have been back to so many Super Bowls and had so much success that you don't even think about it. Really,
1: I mean, you think about the Rex Grossmans of the world. I mean, goodness, so many great players. Ah, exactly. Uh, you look at the defense. UConn, twenty-nine points per game is what they're giving up on average. Four hundred four yards of total defense. Two hundred thirty-seven through the air. So there is going to be a lot of opportunity through the air and one hundred sixty-seven yards on the ground. But again, I don't. I don't know how that stat is really accurate whenever we've gone over about what boston college did and some other teams did on the ground anyway they give up a lot on the ground um they've intercepted five passes they recovered five fumbles they've sacked quarterback 10 times uh you know they're they're standard across the board they got a couple they've got a safety that has two interceptions on the season they got an edge player price yates it has four sacks we mentioned our guy jelani stafford uh just is what it is i'll tell you a playmaker for yukon i'm not making a joke here can't pronounce his name either. It's George Car- Caratan or something. Anyway, he's a punter. Um, he averages forty-five yards a punt. He has twelve punts inside the twenty. He has fourteen punts of fifty punts of fifty yards or more. I know we don't like punting, but UConn, <laughs> one of UConn's biggest weapons, is their punter, and uh, he he's not bad at all. He's not bad whatsoever. Um tennessee yukon man let's, let's let's get into uh some of those young players that we want to see i think we talked about it earlier in the week on one of the podcasts grant we want to see young players play but we love to see some young players be mixed and intertwined with some actual guys like i'd love to see nico get out there and have some i mean again no disrespect i love to have nico out there and not have messiah a blocking for i love to see nico out there with some guys who are quality blockers in front of him to see what he can do i'd love to see Cam Seldon run behind a quality offensive line. Um, you see Brian Jean-Marie mix and match Jeremiah T. Lander and Aaron Carter and some of these guys with some veterans. You see Ricky Gibson every now and again going to the secondary. You see David Hobbs get in there and Amari Thomas is showing him what to do. Love to see some of that on the offensive side once Tennessee gets up and, and again, takes control of the game, go up a couple of touchdowns, and then I'd love to see some intertwining of some of these young guys.
0: I think early on, try to build some confidence with guys like Ramel Keaton, who's struggled with some drops, get some – get Chaz Nimrod more involved like he has been lately, see what Caleb Webb can do, try to build some of those guys up going into next week. But, yeah, I 100% agree. Uh, Just Nico, you don't don't want him in the game just handing off and it's just you're running out the clock. It would be fun. It would be interesting. Uh, I think everybody's been waiting to see him run some actual offense throw it alone we really haven't seen it since what september 2nd against virginia i think in nashville was the last time he had pass attempts and was i think he was thrown to caleb webb in that game uh get him out there with some actual yeah not just the third team guys second team guys some some first teamers around him and just getting in some live reps just to, i mean it doesn't mean anything for joe It doesn't change anything moving forward but it gives you a little glimpse into the progress he's made or what he looks like at this point in the season and it's not just nico it's it's different guys across the board on both sides of the ball. And, and I think for Tennessee, it's, this, this needs to be a game where Tennessee puts up 50-plus and kind of looks like the Josh Highpool offenses from the last couple of years. Now, this, this offense hasn't been that explosive, and that's fine. You don't have to be to still win football games. But it would be nice for Tennessee to be able to do that and to get that little bit of confidence in whatever going into a, a big road game at Missouri and Georgia in a couple of weeks and, and a lot left to play for here in November.
1: Um I think this week you need to see Addison Nichols play with the ones. All right. Andre Keurig is out with an injury. Ollie Langer starting left guard. Addison Nichols, a guy that we talked about in preseason, maybe he could be the center. Maybe he, you know, once that didn't work out, maybe he could, you know, throw his hat in the ring at left guard, which is his natural position. Um, you got to see what you have in a guy like Addison Nichols. Cause again, and I'm I'll just use him as an example. I haven't heard anything or anything, but you recruit your roster every single offseason now. It's not just you come here you're locked in for four years no with the transfer portal you can leave and so what's to say again i'm just using addison nichols as an example i haven't heard anything but what's to say addison nichols doesn't say okay well i clearly i'm not i'm not you know playing a lot here why don't i go somewhere else and have a better opportunity um you know for tennessee get him in give him some run here these next few games not starting or not you know big time series but just throw him in them with the ones next to cooper mays next to john campbell or whoever see what he looks like and um i, I think this is the perfect game to where literally you could go in, regardless of what the score is. I think this is a game where you can go in and say, okay, second series, Addison Nichols at left guard, um, just like they did with uh, Andre Keurig the other day. Clearly, it was the I want to say it was the second series of the ball game. Maybe it was the third series. Andre Keurig went in and played that, that that series until he got injured. You know that could be an Addison Nichols this week. So I think that's something you could see. Um, we went on the Rockies' uh, round table. We we went down the line and uh, we discussed. um you know, what, who's that one player, that young player that we want to see kind of ball out? Um, I mentioned Addison Nichols there. My answer was Cam Seldon. Um, it could be as easy as Nico, and we've already talked about it. But who's a young player or a second-year player that you want to see uh, get a whole lot of run and just see, see what he can do in a game like this?
0: Uh, maybe Caleb Webb because we saw some stuff from him early on in terms of when he had to fill in a little bit. I think he might have been that first guy off the bench when Brew got hurt against South Carolina. But it you feels are. like it's been more it's been more Chaz Nimrod since then. And you heard really good things about both those guys. It was kind of like when you when you heard coaches mention one, they were mentioning the other, and they're kind of in that same boat. And Tennessee has you know, you've got to re- develop these young guys moving forward. It's it's an opportunity for players to play, but it's also an opportunity for coaches to see these guys on the field and in these situations and try to figure out what they really have or what kind of progress they've made at this point and what kind of progress they're making moving forward. So. Caleb Webb, it feels like he's been a little bit of a forgotten guy. I, I would like to see him uh extended reps, extended series, whatever, uh getting some targets, stuff like that. Just kinda see what he looks like, how comfortable he is, what his skill set is, what is you know, what, what what he brings to the
1: table more or less. And like I was speaking on Addison a moment ago, like and that's a perfect example. Chaz Rock Caleb Webb. Tennessee intentionally played those two guys against UTSA. Intentionally. Mm-hmm. Because again, you like you need you're, you're thin at wide receiver to begin with. Um, you're losing Ramel next year. Who knows at that point in time if Dante Thornton's ever gonna come out and blossom and maybe maybe leave. Brew McCoy was gonna be gone. Like you couldn't afford to lose some of those guys. And I mean, you know, it's not like they're you know ironclad coming back next year. I would assume that they are, but the you know, point is they intentionally played those two guys against UTSAs and the Austin Peas. And then lo and behold, they actually had to play roles in this football season. And and you're right, Caleb Webb was the first off the bench, but it's been more Ches Nimrod and, and, and now Dante Thornton moving outside. So um, you know, intentionally... and Dante's
0: Dante's another name. Like he's he's a starter. He's somebody we've seen a lot of in terms of reps. He, we haven't seen a ton of production from him. Like he he did what three for sixty three against Kentucky, and he looked a little bit better outside than he's looked in the slot. That's another guy. Like like, see if you can build on him and and build some confidence and get a little something. Try to get some momentum moving forward with him. He's another guy. It's, he's not a really a young guy i guess he's still a newcomer uh, but they need more out of him and, and fans probably want to see more out of him
1: second so year gal i'll say jordan thomas love to see him ball out there on the secondary let's get into uh score predictions and bowl predictions to end our game quest and guys it's uconn game doing the best we can here um <laughs> grant ramey score and bowl predictions uh here to say goodbye on game quest
0: Uh, Score 51 to 13 because Tennessee hasn't broken 50 yet this season, have they? 49 against Virginia, I think, is the season high. I think that's the season high. 45 against UTSA, 41 South Carolina. Uh, They got to break 50 at some point. Uh, It's a Josh Hoppe offense. That's just what they do. They score a lot of points. Um, So 51 13 on the score. Bold predictions: uh, Nico, first career touchdown. Um, I don't know if it's passing or rushing, but he'll account for his first uh, touchdown at Tennessee. Pretty sure I had that as an Austin P. Bull prediction back in the day. That never developed. Um, and a pick six. I don't know who. I don't know if it's starter, if it's a young guy, but a pick six and an eco touchdown.
1: You know what that's called, right? When a team scores fifty points, fifty burger. Fifty burger. You know. You know who coined that? Who phrased that? Right who coach Doug's I did not know that I was not aware I'm pretty (laughs) sure unless he got it from somebody else remember back in 2020 when there was no football and that guy went and um, I remember oh yeah and he worked for Barstow for a while yeah I'm pretty sure he was on the phrase uh, 50 burger and that's been kind of a a Josh Heupel staple since he's been at Tennessee but you're right um excuse me I I haven't really thought about it man Tennessee hadn't scored in the 50s this year so yeah what an opportunity not only it, it, it here's my ball prediction Tennessee will continue that streak and not score in the 50s this week. because Tennessee's got to Tennessee, score
0: 50, though, because they're going to Missouri next week, and they have to score 60 at Missouri because that's just falling in the tree. Oh,
1: yeah, good point. I was going to say Tennessee's going to score 61 points against UConn, and it's going to be 61. I don't know if this is what my picks on Friday will reflect, but uh, it'll be 61 to... Uh, I don't know, guys. I mean, let's go. 61 to 7, 14. 61-14. I just think Tennessee's and again, you can win 49-14. It can be an absolute just uh a drilling by Tennessee, but I think Tennessee's mm-hmm. gonna get some points. And so I'll go 61-14. Bold prediction. Cam Seldon scores two touchdowns on the defensive side of the football. Give me um give me uh Caleb Herring. Has he had a sack yet this year?
0: Doesn't
1: ring a bell. Caleb Herring, if he uh, if he's not, uh, we should know this. I don't have the stats pulled up. He might have had a sack, guys. But if he's not had a sack on the season, Caleb Herring gets his first career sack. And um, Jordan Matthews gets an interception. I mean, we're going all over the place here. Jordan Matthews gets a pick. We'll see if Ricky Gibson can even play in this football game. Jordan Matthews gets a pick. Caleb Herring gets a sack. I know you looked it up, has he? No, I did not look it up. Oh, I thought you were over there tinkering on your phone. I thought you were I'm looking. at it
0: it, It's it's UConn week for me too.
1: <laughs> so, all right. I got Matthew's interception. Got Caleb Herring a sack. I got Cam Seldon two touchdowns. I got Tennessee winning 61-14. That'd be a uh, be a lot of content to write about. Lost sound bites. All right, we'll get through this week. Tennessee again, though. You know, AP week. Let that be a lesson to you. Okay, uh, that was not a good week. And even even UTSA when Tennessee was winning 31 nothing a half or whatever. Let them come back 30-14 right there midway through the third quarter. Leave no doubt. Go out there. Beat the team you're supposed to be. Beat this team like you're supposed to, and then get back to preparation because you got a monster, monster road, road challenge next week at Missouri. I know we talked about it a little bit in price picks, but what's your prediction? Uh, how do you think that game's going to go for Georgia at home hosting Missouri?
0: Uh, I think Georgia will look like Georgia, and I think Missouri will look like more like the Missouri people than have been used to the last couple of years. I, I think Missouri's good, a lot better than they have been. I just don't think they're ready for that stage and that moment against that kind of team on the road um, in that environment. And Georgia, that's more of a it's more of a nod to Georgia than an insult to Missouri. I think Georgia will handle this business.
1: Now, last year at Mizzou, wasn't that a 10-point win for Georgia? Like, they that's look like true. Crap.
0: That's true. I forgot, I completely forgot about that game. That's that's correct. Uh, but still, I think it's it's a different story when you have to go to
1: Georgia. You know, that zoo up there, it's a little wild. Uh, that's, right. I mean, Tennessee, that's right. Tennessee will be there next week. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. All right, guys, appreciate you listening. Appreciate you watching Game Quest every single game day right here on ballquest.com. Only a couple more of these in the regular season. Of course, we'll do one for the bowl game. Uh, Grant's already working double duty with uh, Tennessee basketball starting as well. Uh, we can't thank you enough for watching, for tuning in and, uh, for being engaged with us here on game quest, Tennessee and Yukon. It'll be a noon Eastern kick, all the coverage you could possibly want leading up to kickoff during the game. And obviously tons of reaction after the game, you can find it at ballquest.com.